Welcome to Endless 08, a time loop anime podcast. I'm BJ. And I'm Duffer. It is 2008. We are watching and discussing anime from 2008, the year that it is. Isn't this a lovely year? It is a great year. Uh, 2008, many people understand it as starting on January 1st. I, I, sorry, I, I count myself among those people. I'm, I'm very excited to be schooled, please. Well, well, yeah, and many people would consider it to end on December 31st. Yes, of course. Um, we are, of course, in a time loop that doesn't necessarily work like that. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, but before, it's a great time to get into this. The last two shows we've watched have, have been January 2008 debuts. Oh, okay. Um, this is a October 2008 show that ran into 2009 ah i see so 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 what is our year it's it's 2008 okay starting on (laughs) (laughs) Uh, starting in about uh, september 2007 okay okay awesome awesome okay Uh, i'll I'll explain my logic here uh so when we were Putting this show together, mm-hmm. um, uh, we sat down and created a big spreadsheet. Of- you say we, but you did all the work. I was <laughs> trying to share some credit here. Um, I, I, I sat down, I went through the, the dreaded MAL, my anime list. Yep. And I used their production information to put together uh, about 108 shows that I considered to be valid and representative of 2008. I, I I did rule out some stuff that looked too bad to watch. What, what was that criteria? Was that like too pervy? To, just te- like trash? What are that, we talking about? There was there was stuff where I was like looking at the cover and going like, this couldn't have been made by a professional studio. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. I think I think at some point, not yet, please God, no. At some point, we need to choose one of those to put back in to do one week, just just to really kind of reset expectations of what we actually are dealing with because i have a feeling i'm going to start throwing the word trash around a bit quite a bit and oh you you want a proper one out of ten show so that the five out of tens have a exactly exactly yep yeah um i scratched out anything that was like obviously made for kindergartners because we're not watching that (sighs) I, i guess okay and yeah, this this is what we were left with, and the the thing we had to make a call on was you know there are a lot of shows around this era that are being made that are twenty five episodes long. Yep. Um, if if you're doing like a big series show, that is your time block. I feel like things have moved back towards the the twelve episode series, and things just tend to get renewed a lot more now. Yeah. Okay. I'll. I'll I, I'm going to be honest. As we said before, I've been out of the loop for quite a while, so I'm not entirely sure on that. I will say that, like, of the couple of things that I have watched in recent memory, um, most of them were either 12-episode things or one of those giant franchise things that just keeps going and going for several hundred episodes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I made the call here that if something half aired in 2008... Uh, which is which is why I mentioned September and March because if your twenty if your twenty five episode show started in September, it ran into two thousand and eight and was mostly airing in two thousand and eight. Right. Okay. So I'm I'm putting that in there, and yep. the same goes for the bookmarking on the other end. Logical, makes sense. Cool. Um, we did also have a discussion about what does happen with the big mega shows you were talking about. <sighs> Yes, the big mega shows that I said that I've watched recently. I have not watched any of them recently. I don't like any of them. Uh, but are, are you going to stand here and slander Naruto like that? I am. <laughs> I am going to stand here and slander Naruto. <clears throat> A bit of context. Uh, just before we started doing this and agreed to do this, I had just finished reading through the Naruto manga. Mm. And oh my God. I did watch some of the show before reading the manga again. Like, I'd never read it initially, but I figured, hey, I, I vaguely remember enjoying watching the show as a kid. So We, we were very attached to that as teenagers. We, we were. I remember following that chapter by chapter as they all came out. I, I didn't follow the manga, but I did watch the show, not every, like, religiously, but whenever I could, I would try to catch up with it. Um, God damn. There's a lot of bullshit in that. <laughs> just oh, you so rediscovered much. filler, right? Yeah, <laughs> so much. Not even just filler, but in the middle of the big, you know, a big main story, we have an entire episode where somebody goes, "Oh my god, there's that guy. He's got this special move. Have you heard about his special move? It does this. Have a look." And he does his special move, and he goes, "Wow, that was his special move. He did this." <laughs> 
Then the episode ends and the next episode begins with a 10 minute recap of what happened in the last episode. So he had this special move. It was a very special move. I'm, I hope you got to see it and make sure you understand exactly what it means. Anyway, look, he's doing another special move. And it just, that's why I, I quite enjoyed reading that manga because there wasn't so much of that catch up every single time. They didn't, I f- really feel that for a lot of it, they didn't tra- like translate that well into the episodic structure of the TV show because you've got to do the recap every so often. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, like generally, good manga. I'm I'm not looking forward to watching Naruto for this. Yeah, well, what we settled on for this is that we would go with whatever the predominant story arcs were for 2008. So if it does clip out a little bit, it's fine. But I think we'll actually, for those, stick tighter to the 2008 timeframe. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, uh, I would say the perfect example for uh, One Piece, uh, it pretty much lines up perfectly with uh, the thriller bark arc. You're looking, they- you're looking <laughs> at me as if I meant to understand what this is. I know nothing Sorry, about One Sorry, I am Piece. the One Piece uh, member of the podcast. Uh, it is not considered to be one of the better ones. They go to a spooky Halloween-themed island. Oh, boy. And they... <laughs> They they have a kind of watered down version of the better arcs they've already previously done. So what you're telling me is me as a person who just generally does not like One Piece, mm. I'm not going to like One Piece after this experience. I, it's definitely the wrong place to get you into it, but Good. this is the project we are committed to. Good, I and don't. It feel- is the year 2008. Of so. course, of course, and I don't feel like changing my opinions ever. So sounds good. Uh, we are not discussing One Piece today as much as I could. Uh, we are instead discussing Toradora, stylized with an exclamation mark. Yes, very important. I don't think anybody's ever said anything along the lines of Toradora and a yell at exclamationally, but these are characters who would. <laughs> it's, uh, we'll cut over to BJ's character corner here, Toradora being Tiger Dragon. Yes. I hadn't actually put that together. Like, I had put together that Tora is the Japanese word for dragon, uh, for, for tiger, um, but usually the Japanese word for dragon would be something like ryu. Uh, but in this case, they've gone with the first half of the loan, uh, borrow loan word of dragon from English, which would be doragon. And so they've so gone the dora. Yes, right. <laughs> which, yeah, okay, cool. Makes, makes sense. Mm. Um, it's a ship name. Are they like I like that the creators <laughs> that is true it knew, is the creators knew what they were getting into when they started they were like well people are going to try and ship this stuff so we might as well start with it the way it's meant to be according to us yes and to be clear this is our first romantic comedy this yes. is our first non-r-rated show <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we started with two r-rated shows what the fuck are we doing <laughs> Yes, uh, probably also worth noting with the spreadsheet, we are often like randomizing stuff to pull out of it. But there are other times where we are making selections of what we actually want to watch. And Toradora was the one where we went, we should actually watch something that people are going to look at on their podcast feed and go, I know that one. And also one that wasn't just horribly and utterly depressing all the time, (laughs) you know? Yes. So, Toradora uh, starts out as a light novel franchise. Oh. Um, the first one comes out in 2006. Uh, it's written by Yuko Takamiya. Okay. Uh, she writes 10 of these. They go through for the next uh, few years. Uh, they do really well. Uh, they win some awards. I <laughs> I checked this because well, one of the accolades it has attached to it is it won the, the Katakawa 2007 Light Novel Award. Oh, okay. For romantic comedies. I, like, I've heard of that before. Well, so. I looked at it and went, oh, okay, Katakawa, I know. Is that prestigious? I looked it up. They they only held this award once. Oh. In 2007. Oh. <laughs> and so the one year that this award existed, Toradora won it. Right. Okay. Now I'm, now I'm trying to rifle back through my memory. Where did I hear Katakawa before? Mm. Is it a publisher? Yeah. It's like a, a big conglomerate group that ah. owns a bunch of other- and publishing and visual studios. Right, okay. But still, like, it's it's really well received. Um, it gets a manga adaptation. Um, they attach a, an artist, Ezekiel, to it, who sort of does the style of what we now sort of recognize in the show. I also read through this up to where we watched, which was episode 13. Yep. Uh, and a, a lot of the visuals are actually, like, quite one-to-one. Ooh. Like, this, this uh, artist really set the visual style of this and they did a great job with it i i, I can't vouch for the um 
the one-to-oneness of it, but for sure, this is a very good-looking anime. Mm. Uh, this airs in October 2008. JC staff gets attached to it. Hey, we know them. Yes. This is <laughs> so a good like, one, though. Like I said, it's got the um, the producer who also did a certain magical index. Right, yes. Attached to it. Okay. Does that explain anything? Not really. <laughs> it's one of their big flagships. They've, they've put like a lot of big energy behind this. Yep. And it's it's a show that has had a big footprint. Yes. This is one of the ones where when you look back to that year, it stands out as, oh, that was one of the good ones there. Yes. F- yep, for sure. Definitely. When we went through the list the other day looking for something to watch, there was like 10 things that were like, yeah, we could probably talk about that and people would know it. And this was one of the 10. Yeah. It, 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 it actually, I think I, I think we both felt this way. I definitely felt this way. I was actually kind of anxious coming into this. Because I was going, I don't want to pick up this show and have it be worse than I remember. Yes, this is so we've clearly both watched this when it was, you know, in 2008, when we were in high school for sure. Contemporaneous. Yes. Uh, I I owned a figurine of Tiger. No. (laughs) As a teenager, yes. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. How did I not know that? (laughs) Wow. Okay. I think a mutual friend of ours still owns it. I handed it off to her when I was um, moving out of an apartment that we both lived in. <laughs> and I went, I do not need this stuff anymore. I'm an adult man. <laughs> and I know you're an adult woman, but you were you were also someone who... <laughs> you're also someone who you've made this part of your like outward identity. So, that makes some sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. So, when I go to Japan in a couple of years, don't buy a figurine. Okay. <laughs> so, that's the attachment level we're dealing with. Um, a couple of things I wanted to add on the production side. This is one we'll come around to. This will be a two-parter where we watch the second half of the show. And we will talk a bit about the PSP game that comes out for this, Toradora Portable. Ooh. Which has a bunch of alternate endings to the show. Oh, and it no. branches off after a point that we haven't watched yet. Oh, God. And when, when we have watched that point, I'll bring this back up and we'll talk about it. Um, other thing I wanted to add... Uh, I know it is 2008, but pretend it's not for a moment and that Toradora has recently had its 15th anniversary. Oh, I feel so old. I mean, I feel like a 13-year-old or however we are in 2008. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they had a bit like a, a celebration. They put out some visuals for it. Um, and the uh, anniversary message that Yuko uh, Takamiya wrote here is, I love romantic comedies, sundere characters, and school settings. That's the only thing I had in mind when I first started writing Toradora. If I wrote it now, every character would have a smartphone, and Tiger would reveal her dark history by accidentally posting something inappropriate on her main Twitter. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> okay. Tora get iPad. <laughs> uh, 15 years later, I'm still thinking about some of the story's iconic moments like the cultural festival. I'm really grateful the series is loved even now. <sighs> It's getting ahead of ourselves, but damn, I think the Cultural Festival had my favorite episode in it. Mm. We'll get to that, though. Yeah. Um, Please tell our audience about Toradora. What is the pitch here? So, um, the the concept of the show begins with we've got our main character, Ryuji. I can't remember his last name. Uh, Ryuji Takasu. Ryuji Takasu, yes. He uh, is living with his mum in a small, crappy apartment, just going to high school. Um, And the issue is that he is the son of a local crime figure <laughs> mafia hitman something like that yeah is is he a yakuza or is he like just some ruffian i couldn't quite i catch. it's never it's i don't think it was ever fully really explained um they said that he'd killed people yes and the and that his son has the face of a killer which oh wow very strong <laughs> strong language um but yeah I, I i assumed that it was he he is like high level mafia high, high level yakuza Um, and so he's, you know, living his life, going to school and he runs into at school, uh, the school's firebrand, I guess you'd call her. I don't know what word we'd use. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, tiger. Aisaka. Aisaka. That was it. Um, the palm top tiger, (laughs) the palm top tiger. So there are some really, really good nicknames in this. Um, yeah, impressive. Like, you're like, oh, teenagers came up with this nickname for someone. Yeah. That is a way cooler nickname than anyone that I knew in high school had. <laughs> I think the coolest nickname anyone in our high school had was Big Dick Peters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. 
Is you know what? I can't believe I forgot about that because I literally spoke to him like a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny moniker to end up with. <laughs> um, it's also better than any nickname I've come up with myself. I came up with BJ and nobody uses it. I so, use it. I'm here. I'm using yeah. it. <laughs> Except you because I'm making you use it. Um and so they end up meeting at school and they both hate each other at first, but uh turns out that um he is very helpful. She is just an asshole, to be honest. I'm going to get us something out right now. Almost all the characters in this show are assholes. Yeah, it rules. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um so they meet they end up uh falling in love for each other's best friends. And then kind of make a pact together to try and help the other get with their friend. Yeah. I, I really liked this as a core setup. And coming back to it, I'd actually forgotten this was like the premise to this. So had I. Is that your two romantic leads both have a crush on someone else to start with. Yes. Yes. And honestly, I'm actually quite surprised that we still haven't really had that moment yet. We kind of did with, with Tiger. We haven't really had that moment yet of when they both realize that they actually like each other more than their crush. We kind of did with Tiger for a moment, I think. I can't remember exactly when it was, but there was a moment when she kind of went, oh, actually, I do feel something there. But there hasn't been that active, oh, no, I'm actually meant to be looking over here yet, which is like just interesting for the fact that we're halfway through and we still haven't had that realization yet. Yeah, it's it's slow burning. It. <laughs> and not, not in a bad way, in quite a good way. It's very interesting. Um so, yeah, they so, get together and the story just is about their high school life and their developing feelings for each other and their deepening relationships with everyone else around them. Yeah. Uh, so, these two crush characters, I've got their names, so you can have at the top of your head. Um, Kushieda. Kushieda, yep. yeah. Uh, Minari Kushieda. Yep. Um, is uh, Isaka Tiger's uh, best friend. Uh, she is a very outgoing girl my favorite character i almost yeah, i think in a modern telling of this where they've got smartphones apparently she would be the meme lord character yes oh yes oh my <laughs> god yes oh, i hadn't even put that together yes i was gonna say the for me the like tunibior was the term for a while which was like a daydreamer kid who's always thinking about these weird silly things that feels like her to me she was in that role yeah, um, Trinity like nowadays is very coded with sort of the pretending to have a supernatural backstory. Yeah, like I, I, it, it definitely isn't that far, but it's definitely that like having an overactive imagination about everything and making a joke out of lots of different things is really her thing. Yeah, it's so fantastic. And then uh, Tiger's crush is Ryuji's uh, friend uh, Yusuku Kitamaru. Uh, Kitamaru is what we hear him yep. called for most of the show. Yep. Who is a the smart glasses guy? Um, he's part of the student council. Yep, uh, he's very smart, very diligent. Good boys on the baseball team. All good boys are on the baseball team. Softball team. Wait, w- whatever. It is softball. Yeah, but yeah. whatever. Who cares? <laughs> um, actually, I shouldn't say that. My kids would have smacked me for saying the wrong word. <laughs> um, I have a problem with him. You have a problem with him. It feels so much so often with his kind of. Not blank expression, but not not giving much away expression. That I f- it feels like he is at times manipulating everyone. I don't know exactly how to explain it, but like when Tiger reveals her feelings to him, turns out he had revealed that he liked her a year or two previously, and he she turned him down. And now that she reveals that she likes him, he didn't outright refute anything from her, but I don't know, didn't didn't accept her in and say, hey, let's become a couple, or didn't refute her. Like it he just left it very kind of blank. And I feel like a lot of his actions in the show really feel like that. Like he's just manipulating things here and there. He's he's the character we get like the least interiority on. That might be my issue. The fact that like we just don't know enough about him. Yeah, and it feels like the show is specifically holding back with it. Yes. Um, I don't think you can argue, like, he's, he is someone who pulls strings behind the scenes. That is an aspect to his character, because um, if you are watching the intro to this show, you're like, hey, there are five main characters in this. And you're like, who's this fifth one? Uh, the answer is Ami Kawashima. Yes. <laughs> who is a, a childhood friend of Kitamaru's, who works as a model. 
Uh, she transfers into the school in around episode three or four. And her arc is that, well... So, she has effectively a private persona and a public persona. Her public persona is really nice, overly friendly, the super popular girl that everyone really likes, but her private persona is just an absolute asshole. (laughs) Yeah, she is a narcissist. She has a very bad attitude. She is a bully. She's a bully. She's demanding. It's, It's quite something to see. Um... Yeah, so we might as well get into it. I like. I think that aside from our two love interests that aren't the two main characters, and I kind of want to say also our main character, everyone else is an asshole. Yes, I don't think this detracts from the show whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good having asshole characters. My issue is that it tries to get us to empathize with these characters a lot of the time, in my, from my perspective, without giving us enough reason to. Like, when they introduce um, Ami, they introduce her and we find out, oh, okay, yeah, she's an asshole. Um, but then our the dude with the glasses, our really shady, not shady. Kitamaru, yeah. Kitamaru, yeah, that's his name. Um, he, it, like, the whole reason that he introduced him to the main crew and then kind of let them see her her private persona uh, was to try and get her to bring that out into the world so that everyone knew that she was an asshole. I don't like assholes very much. (laughs) I don't want to be friends with them. I find it unbelievable that everyone would just be willing to, that everyone that knows she's an asshole would be this willing to just go along with her and be friends with her. Cause you don't want assholes in your life. (laughs) And yeah, I don't know. I feel like I, I don't feel that close connection to them. I do more as the series has gone on, yes. But there was a big chunk of, even with Tiger for quite a while, where I would have thought that by this time they would have started to be a bit less of an asshole. But no, they're still just being assholes and they're not really getting any nicer. Particularly my thing is that both Army and Tiger are constantly demeaning of our main characters and are demanding of them. And I mean... You just don't keep those people in your life. Not for as long as all of these characters have. Do you disagree? I, yeah, I haven't run into the same snag as okay. you at all with these characters. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think there's several reasons for that. Um, we'll get into it in a more linear way because we should talk about our main two characters and go back to our first episode. Yes. Where it sets up. Uh, it is interesting to me how much their living circumstances play into the setup of this show yes so uh yeah like we've said um ryuji is from a single parent household uh oh my god we need to talk about his mum. i fucking love his mum. <laughs> mum's amazing like, she's phenomenal his, his dad has died presumably in some sort of uh gunfight gunfight or something like that and so yeah him and his mum are living in this like quite shitty old place um, she's working a job as a hostess, uh, doing like really late hours. Um, he's had to step up a lot more than many other teenagers would have to. He does all of the cooking. He does all of the cleaning. He's kind of made all of this part of his identity as well. I, I love this. I love the gimmick that his thing is cleaning. It's just phenomenal. He, he I don't loves know. To clean. <laughs> I don't know why I like it so much, but it's just so different and. Oh, his face anytime he gets to clean something, he's like, it's not just excitement. It's also like kind of almost anger and like, I'm going to fuck this cleaning up. This dirt has no idea what's coming to. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you do that. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, they've had this big apartment building that has been brand new built next door. Um, they, they, they complain about it because it's like completely blocked out their view and all of the light that would otherwise come into the house. So there is now mold and none of the clothes dry on time, which yes. big mood, big mood. And it's like there is this sort of bending fear as well. They're like, you know, our house is probably going to be the next to get knocked down to have a big thing put in. Yeah. Yay, and- gentrification. <laughs> it's, uh, and one of the people who lives in this who happens to share an open window with him because that's the level of coincidence you have to work on when you're doing a rom-com, <laughs> is Isaka Tiger. Yes. Uh, we discover this because she uses the open window to break into his house and attempt to murder him. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. 
Very interesting opening. Um, yeah. So the the scene that happens, you know, they start their school year. Taiga is planning to confess to Kitamaro, and she writes him a love letter. Uh, which a she doesn't put the letter in the envelope. B she puts the letter in the wrong bag. <laughs> <laughs> which um, Yuji then finds out, and they have an encounter at the school. She tries to kill him at the school, um, and then gets embarrassed and walks away. And that's when he realizes that there's nothing in the letter. And then later that night, when he's thinking about it, uh, she comes in and tries to assassinate him <laughs> yes. with a wooden training kendo sword. Very interesting. Yeah, so, yeah, he he does manage to talk her down uh, and then has to feed her because she's gotten herself so worked up doing this that she's incredibly hungry. I, yeah, and I think my issue is that he's so nice. She's such an asshole. And, like, how do these two things end up, like, connecting like that? Though I guess I'm guessing that this is just an extension of his parents' relationship. Like, mum's probably really super nice and lovely and dad's an absolute asshole or whatever. And they both ended up clicking and becoming a wonderful couple, so. Yeah. And it, it's worth noting, like, these characters are teenagers. And teenagers are shitheads. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Any show that is willing to sort of, you know, put its neck out and portray that uh, about people who are still sort of developing their own moral compasses and learning how it's okay to relate to other people... <laughs> It's like that's that's a worthwhile thing to do in a show, in my opinion. So I think I think my my circumstances might have ruined rom com slice of life anime for me because uh, I'm a teacher and I deal with teenagers every single day, and I only have so much patience to deal with teenager problems, uh, yes, right. which aren't actually problems every single day. And by the end of the day, when I get home, I go, "Yeah, let's relax and unwind and watch some anime from 2008." Cause it's 2008. I just, these things happen and I go, just don't be an idiot. What are you doing? <laughs> just, just, just don't. Yeah. Like my, my partner it also works in the teaching field and I know like her school has an above average rate of fistfights that break out. <laughs> <laughs> and like her take on it is like, it's, it's weird that like, you know, bullying isn't a major thing at the school. What mm-hmm. a lot of the fights are, are just kids that are completely unable to resolve their problems with each other in normal ways. And just, like, overreact to all of each other's things until it gets to the point where you are trying to, like, beat each other up in the schoolyard. Which, hey, what happens in the first episode of this show? She goes to try and kill a guy with a sword. Yeah. There we go. So, I guess I was watching this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds like one of her kids. But, yeah, you you learn that, you know, she's living in this apartment building by herself. Um, She's had a big falling out with her parents. Um, The dad has found himself a new wife who she has not got on with at all. Um, and uh, he has tossed her out of home and put her up in this second <coughs> private apartment, which you know he pays for and he pays the money, but like he hasn't come to check up on her in years. Mm. So she's been living like a very solitary existence. Yes. Her house is a fucking mess. <laughs> uh, which is this great. a real damn bitch you live like this moment in the first yeah. episode. Yep. Honestly, I looked at it and went, Kind of looks like my apartment. <laughs> I'm a mess. If any, if you learn anything from this podcast, just know that I'm a mess of a human being. That's all you need to know. Um, yeah. So and so, like the show wants you to understand, like she is she is even further stunted by like missing out on at least two years of uh, regular family contact around the house. Yes, this is another reason I think why I'm just not vibing with it as much as I thought I would. Is just because again. I teach kids who are in the situations like this and it's just, I don't want to come home and have my entertainment be, oh yeah, life sucks for a lot of teenagers. I'm like, I know, <laughs> and I hate it, but I can't change that. <laughs> so yeah, the, the two of them come to a truce because uh, they've both uh, discovered each other's crushes. You know, she's like, she's real embarrassed about it. And he goes, oh, that's okay. If you think you're a fucking idiot, have a look at my box of um, uh, mixtapes I've made for a theoretical road trip with my theoretical girlfriend. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Truly amazing. And she picks it up and immediately, like, sees her best friend's name on here and says, huh. <laughs> <laughs> Not only huh, she goes, she's way out of your league, dude. <laughs> Which she is. <laughs> she is. Oh, my God. Best girl. For sure. <laughs> 
Yeah, and then the yeah the setup for the the next few arcs of this story, and like most of where we have gotten up to in episode thirteen, is one or the other of them will go. I've come up with this plan that will help you to get closer to your crush, and they try and do it, and then it never really works very well. Uh, which one was your favorite ploy? <laughs> <sighs> I I so when I was watching, usually when I watch, I like if I have a good episode, I'll be like write it down, like oh. This is my favorite episode. And that episode was the first episode of the um, the holidays when they're at the beach house. Yes. Like, very good episode. The, like, trying to scare um, Minorin into, you know, into his arms. Um, very funny stuff. They fail miserably. <laughs> yes. Ah, it's just so good. Yours? Um, I think it was actually the pool arc. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to have to... Try and talk you around on this. I understand that. Okay. Okay. Oh, I, I was meant to write a note here. I forgot my notebook for this one, so I don't have my notes on me, so I don't off the top of my head remember them. Before you get into your reasoning, um, I don't know if I've told everyone this in the podcast yet, but I'm trans, if you hadn't noticed from my deep voice that I can't get rid of. Um, and I just oh, really- Okay, yeah, I see why this might have hit differently. <laughs> I just really empathized with Tiger's flat-chested problem. Yeah, it's a struggle. Anyway, continue. Yes. Uh, the, the, this arc that uh, we have set up here in the middle of the series is that the pool opens. They have a pool at the school for swimming lessons, which school we did not have a pool at our school. My, my, my school in Japan didn't have a uh, No, they did have a pool. I just never went to it because it was like across the road. And I was like, I'm, what if I walk outside in the sun? Mm. Get out of there. So, yeah, and um, yeah, all of the students have to buy swimsuits that, you know, fit into regulations, but they're not like a school swimsuit that you get assigned and uh, have to go out there, and you have all of the students get very self-conscious about their bodies. Um, this is kind of an interesting... There are a couple of diversions, well, things that the manga plays up that the anime kind of sweeps over. Okay. The manga has a lot of the guys get really self-conscious about their bodies. Okay. <laughs> like, some of them are there, like, uh, worked up about how long their armpit hair is, and if people are going to get bothered. Oh, okay. Um, there were, in the anime, there were definitely, definitely a couple of comments, but they were, like, background comments, like, panning over all of the kids, and it was, like, one girl going, oh, my God, my leg flab, and another, and a guy going, like, oh, I, I'm not tan enough or something like that, you know? It was just background, but the manga went deep on it. Uh, Ryuji was getting dunked on for how dark his nipples are. Oh. This is a recurring thing they kept coming around to. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he was worried like, he was going to show through his shirt. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, mm-hmm. very self-conscious about this for uh, quite a while. Yeah, they, like, in the show, he just wears, wears a swimsuit and there's no problems with anything. Mm. Mm. But, yeah, for the girls, um, you have um, Army, who is literally a model. <laughs> And she she plays up, oh, you know, I'm so embarrassed to be seen in a swimsuit. And all the other girls in class are like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Tiger is uh, a very uh, short character. Very uh, short. Very flat-chested. Very flat-chested. Um, she, uh, there, are, there are parts of her coding where she's got like a cold a lot of the time. Yes. And... It makes me wonder if, like, where this is leading is, she, like, she's got some kind of immune deficiency disorder or something. Ooh, it's okay. kind of implied a couple of times. Okay. I, I I had assumed that that was just down to, like, in the first episode, in the first, like, I don't know if it was in the first episode, but in the, early on in the season, when Yuji first goes over to her house, he discovers that it's dirty and there's a bunch of mold in the place and he cleans it up and then she goes, oh, he, he notes that her, like, sneezing is gone and he goes, yeah, uh, she goes, yeah, because you just cleaned the place. I just assumed it was that and left it. Okay. It, it like, her getting a cold at uh, inopportune times does come back a few. Right. Okay. Uh, the times later on the show. Um, but, like, the, the other part of that is, like, she's, she's described as being very frail. Um, mm. he's, he refers to her as doll-like. Yeah, more than several once. times. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, she's yeah uh, flat chested. She's not hit any kind of growth spurt, and so she's very self conscious about uh, having to wear a swimsuit in other in front of other people. Especially since she's got evidence, like she was bullied about this in the past. Yep. Like there are photographs that were taken of her without her permission that have like scrawlings on it, like yeah, flat chest demon, something like that. Yeah, mm. rough. And so the the solution Yuji comes to is that he's going to sew some fake breasts into it for her. I need a Yuji in my life. <laughs> yeah, right. And so he so he does that. They have the 
swimming like event. Can't even remember exactly what it was, but you know they do the swimming, and then uh, one of the pads falls out, and he jumps in. She she has a cramp and like starts to struggle. No, to no, swim. no, she can't swim. She's drowning in the pool. She oh can't. no, that's right. I'm because army army the picks her one. up and throws her in. That's right. Not knowing that Tiger doesn't know how to swim. <laughs> yep. So got an attempted murder again. Fantastic. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then Yuji jumps in after her to try and save her, and she's freaking out because she can't swim, but more than that, because one of the pads has fallen out and she doesn't want anyone to know. So he looks like he drowns her, pulls her under the water to reinsert the pad, um, and touches her chest at the same time. Yay. This this is the most emotionally loaded boob touch I think I've <laughs> ever seen in an anime. <laughs> Because, like, normally when this shit happens in a rom-com or any of this other sort of stuff, it's it's played like someone will, like, have an accidental fall or yeah, it's, like, an accidental walk Yeah, and then happens. somehow they end up with, like, one hand on the ground, like, man on top of the woman, one hand on the ground, and one hand just, like, squashing their boob, like, like it's nothing. you got, like, a 45, 50-kilo guy just pressing on your chest. You're not going to be like, <gasps> get up. Um, I do appreciate that. They waited until so far in to have any kind of sexual touching of any kind. Like, as you said, usually it's like a th- thrown away for a gag somewhat early on, but they they left it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's ballsy that it, it makes it like the big emotional point of this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it plays well for me. Yeah. I- Which is why, like, I, I, I watched that arc and, like, I took that away as, you know, um, many other shows would have just not been able to hit that plot beat correctly. Yes. Yes. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. Okay. That's a pretty good reasoning. Honestly, my reasoning mostly for the, um, my, my favorite little arc of that was just the fact that we get a lot of Minori in that one and she's just great. She's just doesn't ever stop talking. She's scared the whole time. So she's screaming. Ah, oh, it's just so funny. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I have yeah. very simple tastes. <laughs> Am I proud of that? No. Yeah, you, you want to see a girl do comedy bits. And oh boy, does she do comedy bits. Oh my God, she does uh, comedy bits. Talk about, yeah, let's just do a whole section on Kushida. Yep. Go so uh, this is a character like, um, you get the sense that the kind of crush Ryuji had on her before was just like, oh, she's pretty and she's happy all the time. She's fun to be with. Hmm. Uh, and it like didn't go much deeper than that. And the sort of the first steps of uh, Tiger sort of setting him up like okay you just kind of need to like see her as a person now yes and so puts her in a position where especially he's um you know seeing her at softball practice and seeing her at her several jobs that she works i'm excited to see where this goes because i got the impression that because we don't know much about her outside of the fact that she's super energetic always super happy like and, and encouraging others to be happy and tries to like you know kind of push that onto other people and be like, make sure you're being happy. You need to smile some more. Give me a smile. Nice job. Um, And the fact that she's got those multiple jobs. I felt like they were kind of implying that something in family life was going on to require her to have all of these jobs. We haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Although it's interesting. You have that early moment where Ryuji's like, oh, I bet she's working on these jobs because she's got a sick sister or something. And (laughs) Tiger like gets up in for it. And it's like, you're projecting shit onto this woman again. (laughs) (laughs) To be like, and I'm, I honestly, in that moment, I fell for Ryuji because this is an anime. Yes. And people have backstories like that. So I'm expecting that thing to happen. If it doesn't, on the one hand, I'm kind of annoyed because, like, I feel like I've been set up for that. But on the other hand, I'm not annoyed because it's a daring move. Mm. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. But the, the main job that we see her working at is she's a waitress. Yes. At a diner. At Johnny's, which is a <laughs> rebranding to avoid copyright of Denny's. Oh, right. It's meant to be a Denny's. Okay, that makes Denny's. sense. There are yeah. so many of them in this, and I wish I had my notebooks. Every time I found one, I wrote it down, and I just don't have it with me. I do remember one. There was a um, Pokari Sweat is like a common drink you get in Japan. It's basically like a Gatorade kind of thing, like a electrolyte-filled thing that you drink when you've just done a bunch of exercise. And theirs was Ikaru Sweat or something like that. It was like a really, really close one. Kept the car, but changed a couple of the... Um, the Kano around and oh great yeah. job uh, this is uh they have one of the early examples of this was a gag that shows loved at the time was to have a starbucks 
<laughs> Except you'd change the name slightly. Good times. And I think the, when they sit down at the Starbucks in this version, like he, he looks down, it's like a pseudo bucks, I think it is. And he says, how are they not getting sick for this? <laughs> oh, so it's gagged. implied that. <laughs> it's implied that Starbucks does actually exist. Fantastic. Oh, so maybe it. Denny's is also real in this universe. <laughs> Could be. I think I might have been to a budget Denny's that was almost exactly the same styling, but not called Denny's for some reason. Family restaurants are a big thing in Japan. Yeah. And uh, like he's his he doesn't want to go to the family restaurant by himself, so he keeps like uh, badgering Tiger into making him go there with him. And this fuels the perception that they are a couple. <laughs> yeah. Which is an idea that everyone have has of them from like uh, episode 2 is all about this. Did they ever effectively clear it up? Oh no, absolutely no? Okay, not. I, I, I just wanted to make <laughs> Anytime sure Anytime they slightly clear it up, they then do something else that makes everyone else go, "All right, they're a couple." Yep. Yeah, I, I like the the group cast that we have here, the classroom. Yes. I did not so for me what really brought the classroom dynamic like as a whole together was the best part the cultural festival yes because <laughs> they even get the teacher in on it and oh my god the teacher is so extra and so <laughs> something else oh my god i think yeah that was the hardest i laughed in this show was um the that often they'll have like a one note teacher in these kinds of shows and uh, her bit is that she is she's nearly 30 and she's still single and she's very worried about it yes <laughs> and like worries about it in front of the kids yeah and she sees the kids all like kind of whiling away their youth and she's just there going oh my god what the fuck are you doing you're gonna get older soon don't ah <laughs> oh, so yeah. good uh the the class ends up putting on a wrestling show for the cultural festival the the guys are all like trying to like mass do like vote fraud yeah they're trying they're trying to rig the vote if for the class so that whatever th- thing that their class has to do for the cultural festival they're trying to rig it so that if all the guys say let's do a was it a cosplay, it's a cosplay cafe, cafe. Um, they want to see all the girls in outfits yeah they decided if we if we if all the boys get to there and vote for a cosplay cafe the girls aren't going to be organized enough to do the same thing so we'll get what we want um and the i don't know his name but the the dude with the long blue hair haruta haruta okay I've, I've noted that down because he's the tertiary character who gets the most action in this first half of the series yep um so he's the one kind of behind the whole scheme and uh so they put it all together they they all get together and decide they're going to try and do that uh but then things go awry when they're actually in the classroom and voting and he just for whatever reason he decides to instead of doing a let's vote and count all the votes it's everyone write your idea on a piece of paper we'll put it in a box and whatever we draw is what we do yes and nobody realizes but the teacher also decided to put one in and she wrote a pro wrestling show (laughs) which oh my god (laughs) what an idea Oh. Now, we are pro-wrestling aficionados. Aficion- we cannot <laughs> say that. We have seen two <laughs> local uh, budget production pro-wrestling shows that happen in the the gym of a local school. <laughs> <laughs> How would you say the experience compares as opposed to what they put on? Um, it's uh, From what, what we've seen in the show, there was more storyline. But I think that was kind of the point. Like, it's a one-off. They're not going to build these storylines long. It's just we've got one little single story that we can do. Yeah. Uh, Tiger gets cast as the villain. And, of course. And um, Ami is put in as the hero. Of course. <laughs> and, of course, Ryuji is put in as, like, the, the thug sidekick. Yep, yep. Because we're all basic bitches here. <laughs> and Wait, There's brainwashing in this. That's, there is. That's there is brainwashing. In this, like, little arc... My favorite thing happened where they show us the kind of the story of the wrestling show and in it, some of the brainwashed guys pull out a red string. The red string of fate. Yes. The red string of fate. It's the teacher's red string of fate. (laughs) Uh, Do do you want to explain this concept for people who may not know that part of Japanese culture? um, The Red String of Fate is an East Asian belief that is particularly common in um, China and Japan. it is the it's a mythological belief that um, it's essentially like the the Western version of us having a soulmate. Essentially, you and your destined love are both connected by an imaginary red string, and 
going deeper, I actually looked up a bunch of stuff about this. Not a lot, but a little bit. Um, in the Japanese folklore, for males, the string is wrapped around the thumb. And for women, the, the partner, it is wrapped around the pinky. In terms of where mine's wrapped, no idea. <laughs> Middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I did then go on to see another bit of stuff that, because in, in, I believe in modern times in Japan, most of the time it's just for any character, it's wrapped around their pinky. And the idea behind that I read online somewhere was that there is an artery that leads directly from the heart down the arm and into like towards the pinky. And the idea is that like, that is your love artery because it's connected directly to your heart and it can go out of your pinky and connect to the next person. I don't know how true that it is or not, or if someone's just making stuff up and going, hey, that's a cool idea or not. Huh. Um, but yeah, if interesting you are a doctor, stuff. feel free to write in to endless08 at yahoo.com. <laughs> Does this artery actually exist? I did not go far enough to look that up because I'm lazy. Yeah. Um, and um, this is a lot of explanation and setup to say that they write how lonely their teacher is into their school play. <laughs> It's and so she like cool. gets up and starts screaming when they try and cut the string. <laughs> it's it's such a good gag. Oh my god, it's just so cruel. I love it so much. <laughs> they got her ass so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We we will come around and have army chat because there's a, a lot of army stuff I think we need to unpack here. Yes. Um, but before we do, I wanted to touch on this. As usual, I watch the dub of yes. the show and you watch the uh, the subs. Yep. Uh, I wanted to ask you about this performance here because the dub for this is pretty good. Everyone brings a lot of energy to their role. All of the voices are quite good. Everyone delivers their comedic lines. A lot of the, the background cast especially have a very good banter that they just chuck in there. Okay. Uh, but the the part that's missing and the part where people say it's worth watching the sub for is actually the voice performance for Tiger. Okay, really? It's done by a woman, uh, Rie Kugumiya. Right. Who This was an award-winning performance for her. Uh, and around the time she gets the moniker, the Sundere Queen, ah, because of how good she is at playing this kind of character. Right. Okay. I could see that. Would this stand out to you as the vocal performance? I, uh, so when I would watch any episode of this, just hit play on the next one, and it would default to being the um, the dub, and I'd have to if forget every episode and then change it back over to the sub version with the Japanese audio. And... I did not, from the brief, like, 10-second snippets that I heard at the beginning of every episode, I did not really like Tiger's voice actor. I felt that her voice was too deep. Oh. And Yuji's as well. I felt like they sounded too much like they were adults. Right. Yeah, I, I see how you could feel that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, for sure, in, in the Japanese dub, um, all of the voice acting is great. And for sure, Tiger is... Pretty much flawless. Is, is, is this where the famous like urusai, urusai thing comes from? Um, yeah, she definitely does say that a fair bit, yeah. but it's not usually it is with I don't know, it's not comedic in a like a oh, that's kind of like basic or whatever. It it's it's very well done. She does say urusai, urusai a bunch of times mm. though. I didn't actually pick up on that until you said it just then. Yeah, uh, she is a girl with a lot of emotions. <laughs> Very much. And, uh, yeah, that that is kind of what carries her through as, as a character because, you know, she when she gets angry, she is, it's like a very intense anger, but also like her affection is all turned up to like level 11 yeah, as and well. I, th I think part of the reason as well, part of the reason for why it's so good as well is that she has a lot of vocal range in the sense that there are moments when she has quite a deep and not – husky in terms of manly voice but it, the kind of deep husky voice that you know a teenager girl would put on but then there are those moments when she can scream high-pitched at the top of her lungs and even just talk at a higher pitch it's it's certainly something hmm. i could not do that yeah well, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm all glad it stood out i will have to listen to i'm sure i watched it with subs originally but i'll i'll go back and watch an episode or two and just go back and watch the wrestling episode <laughs> I'll just watch the wrestling episode with that. <laughs> Cultural festivals as schools in Japan. Based on your experience watching anime, 
what would you say about them? Give me like a one or two sentence overview oh, of what happens. Uh, the cultural festival is where every club in the school gets to put on some sort of exhibition and a bunch of students that aren't actually going to the school are allowed to come into the school on that day and see all the stuff that is being put on. And it's often stuff like um, there are plays, there are uh, musical performances. Um, yeah, These are the ideas that are struck down by the teacher. <laughs> She's like, you think you're going to make a band and play a fucking song? <laughs> Fuck you, kids. Um, so, or, or the the thing that gets riffed on here is that it turns out that every other classroom picked the cosplay cafe, <laughs> and so none of them stood out. Whereas the one class that did something different were, won, were the, won the yeah. competition to have the best, most interesting thing. Yeah. Um, so, I'm glad to hear that your experience with anime has not kind of has not given you an unrealistic expectation uh, view of what a cultural festival is. Because in my experience going to cultural festivals at school in Japan, part of this is because I went to a, I lived in a poor area, but they never had anywhere near as much money for things as these schools in anime do. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I could I can see that. My school could not have put together a wrestling ring, costumes for everyone, and then also costumes for all of the other classrooms and also a big bonfire dance party at the end where everyone stays at school <laughs> until like 8 or 9 p.m. Nah, dog, all the teachers are fucking out by 6.30 because clubs are all meant to be done by that time. Crazy how much how, how lavish these things are in anime when in real life, most of the time, it's like a haunted room with just garbage bags strung up from the ceiling to make a little corridor. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm now thinking looking after all those kids after hours would be a nightmare for a teacher. I mean, they do it regularly anyway with club stuff, but it's just, you know, you, you really think that teacher would have stayed back that long to be <laughs> dissed <laughs> so hard by her kids? Nah, dog, she's out. She's out looking for another man. Um, all right. It's time to talk army. Let's talk army. <laughs> all right. Um, army Kawashiro's arc that she has in the story is um, she is uh, introduced because Kitamaru brings her to the uh, the family restaurant. <laughs> Yes. And and they sit down. She, like, immediately starts flirting with Ruji and, like, acting all preppy and stuff like that. And then uh, Kitamari, like, gets up and he gets Ruji to come with him. And he's like, now watch this. And she immediately starts being a bitch to Tiger. Yeah. Not even, not even just a bitch, but, like, an actively hateful and shitty person. Mm. Yeah. Just shockingly mean. Tiger slaps her for it. Yeah. 100%. You should. <laughs> and- yeah, yeah, Kitamaru explains, like, I wanted both of you to be able to see this uh, because I want to try and pull her out of this weird act that she's putting on. <laughs> uh, the The plot twist then comes to next is that she's transferring into their school. She's taken a break from her modeling career and she's uh, come over to this town and starts uh, ingratiating herself into the class, uh, immediately starts working on becoming the most popular person. Doesn't have to work very hard. It no. happens immediately. <laughs> it's- uh, but, uh, you know, the, the two of them, you know, well, the three of them, including Kitamaru, kind of know the truth about her, the truth about her identity. And Kushida clicks on pretty quick as well. Yes. Because she's smart. She's the best girl. Yeah. Um, um, the, the thing it leads to here is that the reason that she quit her modeling job was because she got a stalker. And this stalker has, like, come with them and followed them to this town. And he gets scared off the first time because Tiger's uh, having a fit and throwing a trash can around. <laughs> Fucking tries to beat him up. Great stuff. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, offers to put up Army in her big, nice apartment while they get rid of the stalker. Yep. Um, Tiger uses this opportunity to create a bunch of blackmail material on Army. <laughs> um, just shocking. Like, <laughs> again... I feel I feel so conflicted that we're meant to be. I, I think this is the least good thing that Tiger. We're does meant in to this be series. sympathizing and empathizing with these characters. <laughs> oh. um, I do. Again, this is one where I think the the manga hits this plot beat a little better. Okay, because it talks about the impression she did, and it's like mentioning I don't know historical Japanese figures. I wasn't really following for that. Yep. Um, in the manga, it's impressions of the 151 original Pokemon. <laughs> Oh, what? Yes. Oh, okay. And some of the examples it throws out was an impression of Pikachu throwing up a hairball. 
or an impression of Meowth doing a vanilla ice wrap. Yeah, oh, awesome. There was in at one point in the anime, they did have like it was Michael Jackson doing something. Like it wasn't anything bad, but it was just something strange. Like Michael Jackson eating an ice cream, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah, like, yeah, that doesn't sound very funny. Pikachu doing a hairball is quite funny. Absolutely, Meowth doing a vanilla ice impression. Yes, I yes I. I need to see that. And I'm guessing the studio just looked at this and went, well, we can't mention Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got to do something else. Yeah, those Western guys aren't going to sue us, but mm. Nintendo might. But yeah, so this arc carries on. Um, she like ramps up her flirting with Ryuji because she's realized that Tiger is very attached to Ryuji, even if she insists like, oh, no, he's not my boyfriend or anything. No, I, d- I don't like him like that. But is also very possessive of him at the same time. And so she starts needling on that really hard. Uh, again, I'm meant to be rooting for these people. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, what this leads to is they, they go out and they're doing like a trash pickup because they wanted to impress Kitamaru. <laughs> of course. Uh, and they all end up splitting up and the stalker shows up again. And this time he directly approaches Tiger and Kushida and starts taking photos of them. Yeah, which is a thing that happens. Yeah, we talked about this a bit last time. We were talking about um, uh, shutter phones and how they legally have to have noises on them. Yeah. Because of creep photos. Yep. So something like this happening as well is a legitimate thing that teenagers have to put up with in Japan. Yeah, I mean, I, I had to put up with it while I was there. It's the one... One of, like, six foreigners in town and the only blonde one. Um, yeah, more than once. I was just hanging around somewhere and somebody just stared at me. And then, like, jaw kind of dropped. And they're like, what the fuck? And then just pull out their phone and just take a couple yeah, photos. <laughs> While dead staring you in the eye. They're not even looking at the camera. They're just like, oh, yeah, cool. Wow, wow. Mm. Anyway, and then they start walk off. Still staring at you, but start walking off. Like, yeah. Not uncommon. Yeah. Um, this show knows that's very much not okay. And Tiger fucking smacks him one for it. Fuck yeah. And Ami is watching this and she's like, oh, I could have done that the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then she does. She goes yeah, and breaks her like, motherfucker's camera. Yeah. True chases him down and smashes his camera. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Let's go. Goes completely uh, sicko mode. And like afterwards, she's like starts crying because she was so terrified from doing it. But like, that's kind of your first moment of like being given a level of access to her Mm. and sort of setting her up for what I assume is going to be some character development in the second half of this. Which I'm surprised that we haven't had any since then because that was around, I vaguely remember like episode six, seven, like it was pretty early into her being introduced. Like she gets introduced and it's like the next episode or two. But since then we've had summer holidays and there's – the the culture festival and we haven't really had any further development there was kind of at the cultural festival when tiger's dad is meant to show up he never does and she kind of we can see her actually feeling for tiger in this awkward moment but other than that like she hasn't talked about that Mm. we just saw her face and was like oh god what the fuck yeah tiger's dad is is the big emotional moment we kind of need to discuss here uh, towards the end because this makes up the the core of the cultural festival yes is that uh, her dad who kicked her out of the apartment and has been making her live by herself for two years does try and come back into her life suddenly without much warning yeah and she doesn't want him around, but Ruji pushes her towards it because he's got his own sort of unresolved feelings about not having a dad anymore. Yeah, I, I found that quite interesting and, like, engaging. I was like, yeah, that this all makes sense. Um, I do have somewhat of an issue with the idea that, as I've been complaining about, we've got a bunch of assholes and the show is expecting us to stick with them because we know people can change. But then when dad is introduced, he is the one character who we are not supposed to expect to change. Why? How is he different to everyone else? Granted, don't get me wrong, he does fuck up and does not come back. It is an absolute asshole. But what was meant to be different about his behavior and everyone else's behavior? 
Yeah. I, I mean, the short answer is that he's a 40-year-old man and they're teenagers and the, the malleability in your life when you're a, a grown adult man yeah, okay. is yeah. much lesser. It, I mean, it's not like it doesn't exist. Yeah. People do have major turns and changes in their life, but it is significantly less common. Yeah. Okay. And it's, and it's not something that can be prompted externally. Yeah. Okay. I just feel like it's a bit double-faced to say, here's all these shitty people, um, like- They'll change though. Here's this shitty guy. He's not going to change though. It just, it just, I, I get yeah, it. I, I, I know. I understand where you're coming from. It it's just smacks a bit of like, oh, really? Yeah, incongruent. <laughs> yeah. I just want to double down as well, but everyone, this man's an asshole. Oh, yeah. He sucks. He's, he's the worst kind of person. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the other thing that happens here is. You have the vacation part of the series where all five of them are going off to Army's beach house. Like I said, they do spooks and fun stuff there. But a, a significant part of what happens there is that Ryuji does actually start getting closer to Minorin. Yes, he does. Like they have actual conversations that aren't just surface level. And that aren't just him going, I just Like they have repertoire. Like in the kitchen, they are like floating. They are yeah. undeniably floating. Yeah. Good scene. Yeah. And Army has a problem with this happening. <laughs> Because of course she does, because she's a cunt. <laughs> and she says, you know, you, you've you still got her on a pedestal, is her argument. Like, you know, someone like me, you know, you know that I'm a bit <laughs> shit. We can banter about it. Can we? <laughs> and she says, you know, you you wouldn't be able to do that with, with Minari. If, if there was a serious problem between the two of you, uh, you are so far up her asshole that you wouldn't be able to give her the telling off she needs. And this show, straight after, puts that immediately to the test by having Ryuji and Minari have a big argument about Tiger's dad. Yes. Excellent setup. This is so well paced. Damn. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I, I do also have a bit of an issue with this, this setup in the sense that, in my mind, the whole reason that they have this disagreement and argument is because nobody's telling this motherfucker about what has <laughs> happened before. Like... I understand that Tiger's not because obviously like it impacted her and she like she's got the right to do that. But if Minori can see that Ryuji is doing something fucked up, you need to step in and be clear about why what he is doing is fucked up. Yeah. And, and I like, think that could have led to some more interesting conversations like around the kind of what dad's just trying to come back in. He's making an effort and blah, 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 blah. blah. Like there could have been that. Whereas currently it's just... Ryuji's got his view. He doesn't expound on what he's been seeing. Minori's got her view of what has happened and is not saying anything about it. So they're both just kind of in different worlds about this issue. When if they have that argument about it, I feel like we would have a bit of a better, I don't know, resolution at the end. Yeah. Uh, Like the in-text explanation for this is Minori says, uh, you know, this all happened a year ago. It went the exact same way. Um, I didn't tell you any of this at the time when I really should have. Because I was jealous that Tiger is sort of involving you in her personal life rather than me. I did forget about that. Yeah, damn. All right. I'm wrong. Ah, shit. No, it's all good. (laughs) We were wrong about shit. Uh, First episode, we were talking about how there's no mobile phones in Gunslinger Girl. (laughs) It is literally a plot point that the bombers use a mobile phone. As a detonation device. Oh, fuck. We're so good at analyzing (laughs) anime. We're so good at podcasts. (laughs) Uh, yeah like it's despite my misgivings it is still a very effective arc it's impactful i didn't i didn't cry yet but i felt some things Mm. i felt angry that nobody's fucking talking to each other but other than that (laughs) yeah we've got another 12 episodes to watch of this we do um there there are another four mini dvd exclusive ovas which are just about them having cooking adventures (laughs) Oh, I'm, we can pull those out if you want. I am down for that. Absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> yes. But we will, yeah, pick this up again next time. Before we go, we have a character that we've missed. The fucking bird. Oh, oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there are there are actually three surviving members of Yuji's family. There's he. Th- sorry, there's him. There's his mum. And there's their bird. This is the major detracting factor from the show for me. This is such a fucking misplay. I hate this bird. (laughs) And I hate how often we cut over for this one joke they have with the bird, which is that they they think that the bird is going to say a word. 
And they're like, come on, you can do it. And then it just makes a weird fart noise. So, in the sub, in the Japanese version, it does actually say a word. It's just not the word they were expecting. Okay. It'd be like if the bird was going, and they're like, plus, you're going to say plus? You're going to say plus? And he goes, a poop. That's the level of joke we're working with. Like they're expecting it to say <laughs> a word that somebody has just said, and then instead they it just says poop or fuck or damn or something yeah. just unrelated. Um, it really in the dub it really ends up saying anything. It just makes a weird gurgling noise. Yeah, that that does not work. Like the, in the sub, it, the joke definitely works. It is a well, one note joke that sucks. Yeah, we are talking about two different executions of a shit joke. Yes, yes. Um, I was sitting there wondering the like fifth time it happened. Is the bird meant to represent something? Because this is a bird. That, this is a bird that <laughs> you is. You think it's a metaphorical? I think it might be disturbed pigeon. Because Sorry, like it's a it, parakeet. I, I think it's, yeah. Is, yeah. It's it's fucked up. It's like feathers are falling out. It's sick with something. It every it can't talk properly for whatever reason. Its tongue's always sticking out, and it's clearly a dysfunctional bird. Okay. Is the message kind of meant to be that all of our characters in this are very dysfunctional, but we're meant to love them anyway? Ugh, I'm remembering what happens to this bird at the end of the show, and that is a weird metaphor. So. Oh, okay, I'm not remembering what happens to this bird at the <laughs> okay. end. Maybe my metaphor is going to fall apart. <laughs> we will come back around on Inko, the <laughs> fucked up parent. <laughs> All right. Till then, we will see you next time. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Endless 08. I've been Duffo. And I've been BJ. You can find all our stuff at endless08.com and on our social media. If you know a real freak, tell them about the show. We'll see you next time. <laughs>